Are you concerned about hitting your revenue targets this month, quarter, or year? Your answer is Value Prime Solutions, a sales training and marketing optimization company leveraging the value selling framework. Visit www.valueprimesolutions.com and start accelerating your results. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. For those that don't have time to listen to the entire episode, please check us out at b2brevexec.com. And if you're finding value in the podcast, please write us a review on iTunes and, and share with your network, share with the family, get the uh, message out there so others can benefit as well. Today, we're lucky to have with us Alex Rosenblatt, VP of Marketing with Datadog, a company that focuses on providing cloud-scale monitoring for dynamic infrastructure and applications. Uh, what makes today's interview extremely exciting is that we're going to be focusing our conversation on the importance of having a very well-trained sales team, what that entails, the value that results. Obviously, this is a subject near and dear to my heart, uh, but let's begin by saying, Alex, thank you very much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Good to be on. So before we jump into the topic of the day, we usually like to start kind of upload, you know, uh, front load some value here. I like to ask our guests, you know, if you look back across your career, was there a defining moment that you go back to over and over, lessons that you learned, something that changed the course of your career? If so, what was it and, and what lessons did you take away from it? Yeah. So earlier on in my career, I was more technical. And um, I, I guess what really got me started on, on the sales and marketing path, even though I, I'd been a sales engineer previously, when I was in grad school, I tried to start a company with another student. And we were both technical. Uh, my my co-founder was actually even more technical than I was. So I took on more of the product management roles, trying to find beta customers. And um, we, we actually were able to get a really strong prototype together that worked. And it was really advanced technology. Uh, and what happened was that we couldn't get anyone to even try it out for free. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't give it away. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and I mean, like we'd show people a demo. Like we, I, I was actually, I got pretty good at prospecting. Uh, so, you know, I, I could definitely get in front of a CEO and then we could show him a prototype and he'd be like, wow, this looks great. And then we'd be like, so you want to try it out? Literally, we'll do it for free. You just have to connect us with people in your company to get it set up. And we always get the like, well, I don't know, maybe next quarter, you know, <laughs> we're kind of busy right now. So that, that's really when, uh, when I started to notice, well, I, I think I'm having a problem selling. Where I think everything kind of came to a head was that we were talking to an angel investor, and uh, you know he also took a look at the prototype, thought it was great. But when he started asking us about how we would sell this, uh, and saw you know I think probably a lot of blank looks on our face, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, okay guys, I, I could just give you a million dollars today. I've got it in the bank. You know, it would be like play money, and I think that you guys have an interesting idea. But if you could only spend that one million dollars to get customers and to get a lot of them what would you do? And my, my co-founder and I looked at each other and kind of shrugged our shoulders. And that, that was kind of, you know, the, the punch in the nose that I'm like, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
And anyways, from then on, it didn't feel good to, to have <laughs> stumbled across an area that I was just completely clueless about. So that's where I started to get really interested in sales and marketing, uh, doing a lot of my own research, talking to people that were in the domain. Uh, and then uh, right out of grad school, I got into a product marketing role and was lucky enough to start working under some very experienced sales and marketing people. And they basically taught me everything from the ground up. Excellent. And then totally makes sense why, as we were prepping for the show, you wanted to talk about, you know, training sales teams and why it's, it's so important. I'm curious, one of the things that we kind of sent back and forth in email is just, you know, there's always this tendency for sales leaders to want their reps, you know, to reduce their time to revenue, their TTR, hit the ground running, get them in the field. And I understand that. I mean, it makes, it makes complete sense. You want more bodies on the ground generating revenue, but it creates some challenges, right? So I was wondering if you could help our audience understand your perspective on that and perhaps share an example of, of where that's caused challenges for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that most sales leadership, their first re- reflex is go, go, go. <laughs> you know, the, the, the most valuable time is the number of hours that the people on their sales team have. So... Uh, you know, if, if it's an inside sales team, you want your people on the phone, especially during business hours. If it's a field team, you want them in front of customers on site. So anytime that you are taking people away for anything to, in order to, that, that they're not on the phone or that they're not on the, um, on site at a customer's, um, a potential customer's, uh, site is time that you are not making your goal. And as everyone knows, for a salesperson, if you make and surpass your goal, really good things happen. Right. If you don't make goal enough times, you're going to probably be finding another job. So I, I, can, I can understand like the anxiety and the desire to, to really want to maximize the amount of time that people are doing their, their job. The thing is, especially for um, products that are very niche or very technical or really require a lot of domain knowledge in order to connect with the buyer, if your people don't really know what to say, what to ask, what, they he- what they're actually hearing when someone's talking, you're not going to get very far. Uh, I mean, the, the way that I keep on seeing it is that there's a wall. And in, if you have an untrained sales team and you're just saying, go, 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 it's like they'll literally keep on running against the wall and bouncing off. And a lot of, a lot of sales teams are, are incentivized or they're, they're metric. I don't, I don't know how to make the verb for that. But they're essentially observed and, and graded on kind of check mark kind of stuff. How many calls did you do? How many emails did you send? How many meetings were you able to arrange? You know, those, those numbers are pretty easy to game. You could do 100 calls and have 100 <laughs> conversations and make your numbers. None of those conversations would have amounted to anything because right. you have no idea what you were talking about. So, you know, I, I think that after running your, into a wall enough times, the thought is you got to take a step back and try to figure out how do I get over this wall? And there might be a lot of ways. I mean, you might be able to, you know, build a ladder, bring a ladder, make a human ladder, fly over, use a pogo stick. <laughs> I know it's an analogy, but, you know, all of those ways of getting over it, that for me is what the training is. Teaching people how to get over those walls that they find with the buyers. Uh, because if a rep did not come from a particular space or it's a new kind of product or it's a new kind of audience – they're going to have to learn all that stuff to really get good at their job and to be effective. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's, and there's multiple layers of, of information that you have to train the sales reps on, right? There's, there's the foundational, what is the sales methodology and process that your organization's using for scalability and measurement, but then there's also the product knowledge, right? So, yes. And, and if we're looking at kind of a rainbows and unicorns, a perfect world, you know, from your perspective in, a, in an extremely technical industry that you're in, what would that ideal sales training program look like? Well, I, I can go a little bit into what we do um, okay. and, and how it's subdivided. So, yeah, you're, you're definitely right on the money that there's kind of the product market, 
the, the contextual training about who you're selling to, what they need, and what you actually have to offer. And then there's there's the nuts and bolts of um, of actually selling and selling effectively. And the former is something that I think is probably best suited for a marketing team. Marketing teams tend to hire people like product marketers who have domain expertise or at least have full, a lot of time to dedicate to sitting down and really researching something and then finding a way to make it digestible for the masses. You know, a, a big part of a product marketing job is education and enablement. I think that the latter part, the actual salesmanship, uh, that's what I often call it, that's something that I think ideally needs to come from sales management. They might have a certain way of doing it. They might have, you know, good examples. At the end of the day, a manager is only as good uh, on the sales side as the people that are working under them. So it's really on them to certify that, at least in, in the nuts and bolts of, of, the, of the day job, you know, asking discovery questions, uh, negotiating contracts, trying to navigate an organization and get the right people on a call. Like those are skills that the sales manager really needs to be training on and, and optimally certifying their team on. Excellent. And so when you guys at, at Datadog, when you approach this, do you have a, a tiered training program that you guys employ? We do indeed. I can talk about it again from the uh, content and product and, and market piece of it uh, since, since I do run the marketing team. I always keep my ear on what's going on from the sales enablement part. I've, I've had some sales experience, so you know it's good for me to, to have a good idea of what's going on. The other thing that I like to know what the sales team is, is training on is we will change the format of what we're presenting from a product market perspective to fit what's being trained on in from the sales teams. So for instance, uh, you know, they, they want to do a certain kind of lesson and they need personas. We will go and make like backstories for some prospects or some customers and have it mapped to the exact kind of lesson or the exact kind of role play that the sales team is trying to do. So we try to fill in those gaps and make things real uh, or, or chop, what we're, chop up what we're doing and see if it can fit alongside what the sales team is being taught from a process perspective. But um, what we do for, uh, for our new hires uh, when someone joins is we have a new hire training that's basically meant to go from you've never heard of a computer before to, <laughs> to uh, understanding, uh, you know, what the baseline technology is, where the problems come up that, that our product solves, how our product solves them, and then uh, gets into the dynamics of the market, you know, and, and we even finish up with a little bit of process stuff from the marketing side, you know, what we do to, to get people aware of our company signing up. So that's where some of the people that you're going to call on um, have actually come from. So uh, within two to three days, the, the point is that any salesperson should be able to get on the phone and have an introductory five to 10 minute conversation and understand what the person is, is actually expressing or saying on the other side of the line. Excellent. So with those, I, I'll jump back for a second. So you talked about personas and so that's a great way for sales and marketing to, you know, make sure they're on the same page. I'm curious when you guys, when you generate those personas, do you do it uh, from a CX standpoint or, or a buyer standpoint or both, meaning like a, the person that you may be selling to, your buyer persona may be different than your actual user persona. And I'm curious if you guys differentiate in those at all. And, and if so, you know, how you get that information to build out those personas. Yeah, we, we definitely do. Uh, we get the, the information from our, our general knowledge of, of all the customers that we have now and, and the, the interactions that we've had. Uh, we, we're still a startup, so you know when something happens with a certain customer, like it, it kind of gets shared around. Everybody and, knows, <laughs> right? Everyone, everyone knows, you know, feature requests or new uses for the product that no one had thought of before. Like that, that makes the rounds here pretty quick, and it's great because we're really reactive to our customer to our prospects' needs. So we, we take a lot of that experience, and again, taking the, those general patterns and 
and making up, uh, basically weaving together some of those different strands into a new story is, is almost identical to, to what you probably encounter in your run-of-the-mill person that, that needs to use a product of ours. Going back to something else that you were saying, you know, some, oftentimes the buyer and the end user of the product is they're different people. And there might even be several people in between that, that have a best interest in the product. And, and we will definitely do um, personas and, and, and again, also negotiating your contract or something that's going to happen up at the top, uh, walking someone through a really quick demo or trying to really figure out what the technical problems are is something that would probably happen on the, on the end user side. So we definitely do make personas for all the levels where you typically have to interact with people from the company and get a thumbs up. Gotcha. And is that something that the, the sales team, you know, keep with them or reference as they're, as they're doing their outbound calling or they're prospecting or, or interacting with the account, something that you guys update. I mean, just much like the product will evolve and change, you'll have to continue to kind of reinforce with them, right? There's the chance that as the product changes, as, as your offering evolves, that you're targeting different types of people, right? Like a CFO persona to get the money may be different than a CTO or, you know, VP of IT, uh, type of persona. Is that stuff that you guys update and, and continually go back and reinforce with the sales team? Uh, yeah. I, I think that, again, because we've been a start, very fast-growing startup, we, we've keep, kept on getting requests for new and different kinds of scenarios to train on our, our personas. So uh, I'd say that more than anything, oftentimes personas get superseded because maybe a, a general training gets split up into three more specific aspects. And, and then we make something tailored to each specific training that was kind of an outgrowth of, of what used to be done. So I think that more than having to maintain and refresh, we keep on refining. Okay. And as we re- refine, I feel good about it because, you know, it's kind of like any sport or any other activity. The, the more you, you focus on one thing and you repetitively work on that one thing, the better you're going to get. So that, that's been our, our experience so far. Excellent. So and with training in general, I mean, not just sales training, although I know that's what we're focused on. There is a, you know, you mentioned earlier, if you pull them out of the field, they're not doing what, what they're supposed to be doing or what revenue executives expect them to do, right? Make more calls, be in front of more customers. Is the importance of sales training and making sure that that entire sales and marketing team is aligned, is that something that is driven by a couple of people at, at Datadog or is it, is it part of the DNA? Is it something that the company as a whole understands the importance of? You mean making time to, to get those hours of knowledge into people's heads? Right, yes. So I was lucky enough that I joined the company before a sales team was formed. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I just started doing new hire trainings and we started working into more advanced trainings that we do as well. And that was, that was just the way that things were done. So different from maybe uh, other organizations or people that are getting into a sales or a marketing leadership role where that might not be part of the culture and they have to change the culture because I, w- I was in relatively early on, we just made the culture that way from the get-go. So that was always the expectation. Aside from that, you know, I, I think that I, to make sure that, that it's worth it, if we're going to try to make a training – I definitely get the green light from my counterparts over on the sales team. So actually going back to that, um, to the earlier uh, experience that I talked about, about when I tried to start a company, the story continues on. We, when I started to get better at sales and marketing, we actually pivoted around and tried a couple of, of industries. And uh, we actually stumbled across an industry where I started to get people offering money for the product I was describing on the phone, sight unseen. Wow. And like they needed it. We unfortunately were a bit burned out by then, so we decided not to go forward. But, but like, 
it's funny because I didn't realize until I, I had more sales marketing experience how extraordinary that was. Someone who had never seen this thing was offering me, in some cases, large amounts of money. I think I got offered $18,000 to be part of an early beta. And I didn't even offer an early beta. Yeah. I just explained what the product did. So, I mean, like with, with those experiences, though, if, they, if someone really, really, really wants something, you will know. They will t- immediately take out their checkbook or their wallet or the equivalent, which and the equivalent for a sales leader is their team's time. So, you know, if we're going to pitch something that we think should be trained on because we've, we've uh, overheard some conversations or seen some, you know, messages go around in our chat room with people not really understanding something, if the sales leadership is like, oh, yeah, I totally need that. Please, like, give it to me immediately. <laughs> like, we, we know we're going to get the time for it. If they're a little bit lukewarm on it, like, that's where we really have to explore. And, you know, maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we, we observed something and, and there's a problem with something else. So I, I think that that's the number one part. After that, I sit down with my product marketing team and we spec out how much needs to be covered for the knowledge to get into people's heads, how much time it's going to take, and then also uh, what we've gotten really into now once we got more staffing on, on the marketing side, we do testing and certification. So not only are we going to say we're going to need five hours for this or six hours or two hours or what have you, uh, we have a certification program where someone has to take a test. We like to do role play tests, basically oral exams. Uh, which because that's the closest to the actual interaction sure. that that someone's going to have to have to show the knowledge off, and we will certify people. So, uh, and then we let the sales leadership know who is certified and who is wasn't. So this wasn't just a flash in the pan training. This was a training that happened, and we can basically guarantee that somebody got certified because we're pretty stringent. I mean, we pretend to be customers when we're doing role playing, and if a customer would have been shaking their head or said like, "I'm out of here," we will fail someone for the same reason. And do they get the opportunity to go back and, and work on their, you know, the areas of deficiency or is it, yeah. is it, is it like, you know, you're at the edge of the plank and you either pass or you're out? <laughs> oh no, absolutely. We'll keep on running trainings. And if someone didn't pass, we'll possibly collect all the people that didn't make it and, and do another, another run through at it. Uh, again, for us as a marketing team, the goal is to have a really knowledgeable, well-versed sales team that knows the product, knows the customer knows you know what kinds of problems the customer often runs into, can connect all the dots, and can make everything uh, good for the customer, that they can help them out. So, you know, that that's our goal. You know, again, I, I think that a lot of it oftentimes is, is a willpower thing. <laughs> we definitely have reps that really, really want to learn. And they will, you know, like pull the equivalent of an all-nighter, essentially, to, to get that knowledge or do independent research. Uh, and there's some people, they're like, well, you know, my manager's saying I have to do this. So... You know, the, I think that the attitude that a salesperson also goes in with makes a big difference towards their success. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, when I work with clients and, and teach classes, you always have, you know, you can see it, right? There's about a third that are excited to be there, a third that are kind of uncertain, and then a third that are like, why the hell am I in here, right? Yeah. And we always, you know, I always start the classes that I teach with, uh, look, I can, I can teach anyone how to be a better salesperson if you're willing to take one step. Just take one step towards me. I'll make up the distance. But if you're not a willing student, you're just you're just not going to learn it. It's a waste of your time and a waste of mine. So let's find some way else for you to provide some value. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that the one thing is that myself and and the product marketers I have can be a little they're attached or just a touch spicy. <laughs> they do have someone. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, they do have someone like that. We are a team of people that, that know the product and know the customer quite well. That's why we're putting these trainings together. You know, you just challenge someone. Okay, you're in a situation with X, Y, and Z, and someone asks this question. What do you do and what do you say? And, you know, if you do the wrong answer, hey, guess what? That might have been a great customer. 
and you didn't know how to answer it. So they might move on and look for something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, the opportunities that, you know, the number of times that you're going to be allowed to get in front of that ultimate buyer, right? The power person uh, can be limited. So you've got to really know your stuff. You got to really do your preparation. You got to, you know, have to show and build that credibility and training is critical to that. So I'm curious, you know, we've talked about kind of two to three days when they start and they do the product training and they go through the oral exams. I'm kind of curious, how, how do you guys reinforce it as the product evolves and, and is there a set way of going back uh, and, and talking to them or doing more training? Is there a set schedule for that? How do you guys approach that? Yeah. So we also do a demo certification training, which is pretty involved. It's a number of hours of uh, classroom training and a rep zone practice. But when we certify them, like they know the product, they know the use cases, they can answer the top 20 most frequent questions that come up really well. They can handle questions they don't know the answer to really gracefully. So it's a lot of work. And, and we, you know, we celebrate it. Like, uh, we keep a list of everyone that's certified on the demo and they, they get a nice plaque. Uh, and what we started to do is that we started to build out advanced trainings, but you have to be demo certified first because you get to kind of like a baseline level of knowledge with the demo training that we do in terms of the product and the market and the customer. And if you didn't go through that, the advanced trainings, you know, it's kind of like Spanish 101 to Spanish 102 to 201 to 202. Like you can't, you can't go into 102 or 201 until you pass that first class with all the basics. So we keep on doing that. And, and of course our product keeps on evolving. It's evolving super rapidly. So whenever we hit a point where whatever version of, of the demo script that we train people on, just ha- there's, there's a lot of new things that we really want to show to everyone. Uh, we, we'll draw a line, make a new version and we will do a basically a recertification. I mean, you know, a lot of other a lot of other things in real life do that. Like you have to get your uh, your driver's license, uh, you know, uh, re-upped or your passport re-upped every now and then, take a new picture because because you might look a little bit different from the last time. <laughs> so you know, we're, we're essentially doing the same thing. We're we're re-upping people on the latest and greatest knowledge, and you know, we've spent a lot of time making some of these new features, or they've come from some you know a lot of customers' requests. So we we really need to be able to have people show them, explain them really well and take any questions from them. So we, we keep people sharp by, by this recertification process. Excellent. Do you have, do you have a built-in feedback mechanism for the trainees? Is there, you know, surveys or do you guys debrief with them or, or, you know, executive leadership debriefs with them after the training to see how effective it was? How do you guys measure the success of the training and get the feedback from the trainees built back in? Yeah, no, no, we, we have uh, post-training feedback forms, so we send those out, and, and of course we gauge them. You know, actually, I- interesting about that, you know, I feel like it's kind of a pattern thing. Every now and then, you kind of get like uh, a curmudgeon that was <laughs> about something. Yeah. But, you know, it's really hard if you've had 50 responses that all seem to be in the same band, and then one person that's just, you know, kind of off the charts. Sometimes it could have very, you know, they might point out some good things, but by and large, sometimes that was just them. But yeah, I know we send feedback forms to everyone. And then we also get a lot of qualitative feedback. So I have regular check-ins with the sales leadership. And something that I ask is, you know, what have you guys heard? You know, like, is anything missing? Does something have to change? So we, we react to that, of course, a lot as well. So I, the two things that would really, you know, make us have to look into something, re- change it around, redo it, uh, would be a pattern, a recurring pattern from user feedback or, you know, a sales manager coming in saying, hey, you guys are not training at all on this really important thing. Or everyone keeps on saying that this, this you know, particular segment, like they didn't get it at all. So we take both of those pieces of feedback. 
Okay. All right. Excellent. Let's pivot a little bit and talk more specifically about, you know, your businesses and your challenges. I'm, I'm curious when, when you get up in the morning and you're, you're getting ready to go to work, what's the top business objective for you at Datadog these days? <laughs> I feel like it's a lot. <laughs> in a startup, that's not unusual, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we cover a lot of different areas. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, we've made a product that really fits the market. And uh, as I mentioned before, we're very reactive to what customers and prospects request and what they say that they need. So if our product is so, so I guess, widely applicable to, to people that, that need it, it's about how do you keep on getting in front of people and making them aware that such a product exists so they didn't know about it before. So I, I guess, you know, I wake up every day and think of like, is there a pocket of people? Is there, is there a group that I was not aware of or that there might be another way of, of getting in front of that I haven't thought of before? And, you know, in, in terms of, of branding and, and lead generation, we're always trying out different things to get in front of people. But I, I'd say that that's, um, that's the big part of it. The sales enablement piece obviously factors into it because once we find these people and they're interested and they want to find out more, we, we better have, you know, we, we better be ready to talk to them. <laughs> right. And so if you, so getting in front of people, when you guys do that, you have, I'm assuming there's marketing campaigns that go on and you have the outbound sales team that's doing that and prospecting as well, or is it 100% you guys are trying to get as much attention and awareness and drive the inbound so you can pass them to sales? Is there a, you know, like a teamed approach to, to driving awareness and trying to get those meetings or where, where does the vast majority of that responsibility lie? Well, at, we're a very pragmatic organization, so we'll, we'll go with whatever works. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, we, we do a lot of inbound marketing, a, a lot of content, or even, even if we do ad campaigns, we're not going to do any fluffy, you know, like, Hey, we'll solve your problems. It'll be very, very specific. And we we're very, uh, acrimonious about targeting. So whatever we're saying that's very specific is also going to match up very specifically to what you're looking for. And, you know, by the same token, we are doing some, some outbound calls, trying to, to once again, to say the right thing to the right person and really, you know, do our research, you know, someone should, should welcome the call. Uh, because if we did everything right, we should be pretty close to hitting the nail on the head for something that they were probably looking for anyways. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's one that, you know, there's still people out there that are debating whether or not the phone is dead. Right. And I just, it blows my mind. I don't like the term cold calling, right? Because if you're doing, if you're using all the tools at your disposal, it shouldn't really be cold. It should be, they should be more warmed up than anything. And that ability to you know, do the research and, and interact with them, target them effectively uh, is kind of the, becoming the bread and butter of sales and marketing teams. Right. So, yeah. I'm kind of curious. What, do you guys have you have uh, a tool set that you're using that you've that you found to be particularly effective, or tools in general from a marketing standpoint that you're really fond of? I'm always looking to, you know, keep my pulse on the, the, the of what's going on in the tech side. Not specifically for research. I mean, I think for research, you do what you'd always do: really try to learn about someone. I guess I want to go back to the comment that you were just talking about about the phone being dead. I don't think the phone is dead, but I do think that. Uh, general social skills are, are on the decline. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe, you know, this is how it's always been. But I do think that the fact that, you know, uh, a lot of people are, it's very easy to, to give anonymous comments on blogs or, you know, tweet anonymously or just, you know, boil everything down into 140 characters essentially. <laughs> takes away, you know, like it's very easy to have a one-sided conversation right now. Uh, and, and being a good, you know, people person and a good conversationalist does take a lot of practice. So I, you know, I am thinking like, 
uh, you know, before people would have had to have a two-way conversation all the time. There, the technology, you know, the telephone, the telegraph, like usually it was a two-way conversation. Uh, and even before that, like you'd, you'd go maybe to the local, uh, to the local watering hole or something and have a conversation. That's, that's how you found out about stuff. And, and that seems to not be happening as often. So I think people are, are losing the social muscles a little bit. Well, without a doubt. And I think part of it too, I mean, is, uh, if people are using the tech, that's out there correctly, right? The systems of action like outreach.io or, or anything, you know, LinkedIn Navigator. If you're using them correctly, the tech should really provide scale for you to have more of those two-way conversations, right? It should get you in front of more people so that your calendar is filled up with them because you're, you're, you're working at scale. I have seen far too many sales reps and some marketing people that are just too afraid of the rejection, that yeah. comes from somebody, somebody saying, oh, no, no, I don't need that. Or, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. Or, that, it, I don't know where that – I don't know. Maybe I've been doing sales and marketing too long and my skin's too thick. But <laughs> I don't know where that sensitivity comes from because at the end of the day, it is about you know two people um, working together to solve a problem. And that shouldn't be daunting, I don't think. Well, you know, I can give a little tip maybe for anyone else that, that is feeling that way. You know, something that, that I personally love, and again, going back to just the ability to have a conversation is trade shows. I think that trade shows are the best. It doesn't get better than that. You have the person in front of you. If you're talking to them. You can gauge their reactions and their facial expressions, and, and you can tell whether, whether they, they like what they're hearing or whether they, they, they're trying to get out of there and, like, signaling their friend again, you know, for help or something. Something that we also do with, with our team a lot is that we, we go to a lot of trade shows, and we definitely try to make it so that – Brand new people will will be staffing our booth, and they'll be out there talking uh, to potential customers, to uh, you know maybe to to other vendors. I mean, like they'll get out there, and they'll they, there's no other way. Like someone's in front of you, you have to talk to them. So <laughs> into the deep end of the pool. But you know what? It's it just just like someone that's you know that maybe just learned how to swim, but doesn't really feel really feel confident about it. You only kind of kick around for like a minute or two, and then you realize, oh wait a minute, I know how to swim. Right, <laughs> and then you start swimming. I guess I can't reemphasize, you know, trade shows, person-to-person interaction. Uh, you know, I think that for any salesperson that's first getting into a new space or a new company, one day at a trade show, chatting with people, seeing what they're reacting to, starting to see the patterns when they all say that they have the same problems, that's probably worth the equivalent of like a month or two on the phones. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of that. If, if maybe someone listening on the call is, isn't is in, in, in sales management but is a salesperson themselves, you can take yourself to events. A really easy way, meetup.com, I think is fantastic. Um, I think that most uh, niche areas and, pro- you know, for a big sales team, you're probably selling some sort of B2B product. Uh, so I think a lot of, you know, business areas or other niche areas will probably have a meetup or two around you and you just show up, have, have conversations with people. Yeah, it's not as painful as, as people seem to build it up to in their heads. I mean, you, you have conversations all the time, every day, right? You, with your mailman or, or the barista at Starbucks, you know, it, it, it's the same thing, right? It's just doing it a little bit more purpose and focused on a different thing. So it's a, yeah. that's a great insight. So let's talk about trends for just a second. Our, our listeners are big on, you know, like I said, there's that debate on is the phone dead? Everybody's talking about AI. Will that replace salespeople? I'm curious if there's a trend, whether it be sales or marketing, that uh, you, you've kind of got your eye on and you're excited to see how it plays out i don't know <laughs> you know that's one i haven't been thinking of and, and again uh being a pragmatist and, and also being a fast-growing startup uh the concern is very much on the here and now uh and maybe like looking into the horizon rather than what's past there i think that one thing that's been interesting uh since i've been doing marketing is that uh, i think if anything is is dead or dying 
it, it would appear to be email marketing. Uh, and, and I guess that that does apply also to uh, in the sales realm. If you're going to do like a mail merge or you're going to try to send out a lot of, a lot of emails, I, I think that you know, everyone's just wised up to the email game. I think that even five, six, seven years ago, you know, having, having an email marketing strategy, you're probably more of a cutting edge company to someone that was in the mainstream. Now I think it's gone past the mainstream and like every company will be sending you emails. So, you know, that in my mind actually reemphasizes the need to uh, be discovered in a place where people are looking for you, whether it's a trade show or, you know, if you do have, if you do get somebody on a call and you do kind of nail the, the thing that's keeping them up at night within the first five or 10 seconds of talking to them. Uh, but, but I do think that the email, and again, because it's so easy to send out, you know, a single person in a company can set up a blast that goes out to their entire database. And then uh, when you have thousands or tens of thousands of companies doing that against the same people, it, there's way too much noise. Uh, you can't find a signal. Oh, well, that, yeah. And spam, I mean, I can tell you that I probably only open one of every maybe 30, what are the equivalent of email blast emails that I get? And that's only because it happened, you know, the subject line happens to hit something that I'm focused on at that point. And the re- real name of the game, I think is personalization. And it's finding ways to use that tech to enable that true human connection that shows the interest and that you have done your homework and that you, you know, you are not just, treating them like a number, you really have spent the time to understand them as a person, to, to get back to that human connection. Totally. And, you know, I think people have wised up. By law, you have to have an unsubscribe link when you send out an email blast. Right. So, you know, I, I think people kind of scroll down, they see the little unsubscribe link, even when people try to, have you seen people like do really like great text so that, that it's there, yes. but hopefully you'll ignore it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's getting fooled nowadays. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So let's change direction here a little bit. I like to ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview, right? And the first is simply, you know, you're VP of marketing at a growing startup that makes you uh, a potential prospect or, or target for other sales professionals. Uh, sure. And we talked about email, you know, email marketing not being effective from, from your standpoint. But I'm curious if you can help our audience understand if somebody were trying to um, sell to you or get your attention, what what would build the credibility with you? What would make you what what paths could they use to uh, engage in that conversation and what, what do you think would be effective yeah i mean i think trying to be really specific about what you're doing i get countless cold emails and cold calls where i have no idea what the product is you know i even get a lot of direct mail with like sometimes some really expensive stuff that's been sent over i open it up i have no idea what that company does and if i don't know what that company does you know how is it supposed to help me <laughs> I, I, I think right. I think that the the best tactic that anyone that that would be trying to sell to me would be like literally boil down what how you're going to help me in two to three words and make that the subject line. You know, I have to scan through my email before I basically wantonly delete everything before I don't know. (laughs) There have been two or three. In fact, I will tell you the best prospected email I got. It was a recruiter uh, who I ended up using. And uh, this person had seen one of the roles that I was recruiting for on the website and sent me three anonymized resumes of people that fit that description. Nice. So understanding your need, being specific in the response. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was looking for this role. I got an email saying, here's three potential candidates for this role, you know, for the, for the role, you know, the role name. And the email was like two sentences. Hey, I saw you're looking for this role. I just finished up a search for another company for this exact same role. Here are three anonymized resumes of any one of these works for you, why don't you email me back and I can connect, give you the actual name and get you on a call for 
it was it was dynamite. I mean, it was, it was great. Like, and, and sure enough, you know, I'd been slogging through trying to get candidates for this role. I needed help. This was, this was much earlier on in the company when we were, when we didn't have like a, an HR team uh, to help out with that sort of thing. But like, that was huge. And you know, the, the recruiter was right on the money. I was spending a lot of time looking for this role. I wanted good candidates for it. And she offered up three. Nice. Excellent. Okay. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or professional services people, one piece of advice that you could give them that you believe would help them hit their targets, be, be more successful, what would that be and why? I would say the number one thing is empathy. Empathy. Okay. Excellent. You know, pack that a little bit for me. Yeah. If you can't feel or understand the problems or the pain or, you know, whatever's going on in your, in your prospect's life, like, I think you're going you're, you're gonna to find it very difficult to try to figure out what their problems are and to move along to see if what you're offering helps them. You know, with that, I, some of the best salespeople I've met, uh, they'll disqualify themselves. They'll talk to someone, figure out what's going on and say, hey, you know what? My product can't help you. And then they'll sometimes even give recommendations, say, you're actually looking for this kind of product. Here's a couple that we've heard from some of our customers that they like a lot. I mean, that the, the empathy is really looking at for the, the other person, the person talking to you, trying to help them trying to, to figure out what, what ails them, if you will, rather than looking out for yourself because you really want to make that deal to make your number. And that's a great point. I mean, that empathy component is unbelievably important, especially as we as we find ourselves trying to get back to that human-to-human touch, right? Like, it's it's about not necessarily me. It's about the other person. And, and you need it. If you have a consistent way of uncovering that, uh, I've seen sales reps be extremely, extremely successful with that approach. But it is, I'll be honest, it's rare, especially when you have, you know, kind of going back to us talking about revenue executives wanting to go, go, go. They can feel that pressure and then have a tendency for that to kind of fall by the wayside. So it takes a little bit more, um, you know, purpose and focus, I think, at times. Yeah, well, you know what? I can cycle that all the way back. I mean, there, there's different places where people are really good at, at ha- having you feel what's going on in someone else's shoes. I mean, you know, Oscar-winning movies, like the drama that has everyone, you know, reduced to tears in their seat. <laughs> you know, really, really good books. Like, you, you, you get in that person's shoes. So I, I think that the goal, you know, tying right back to sales enablement at a very high level, whether, uh, you know, it's a marketing team trying to do uh, training on the product or the market or the persona or a sales team or sales leadership trying to do practice on different pieces of the sale or different sales skills. I think that if, if you can evoke that same kind of like putting someone in, in the customer's shoes, then you know you're doing a good job. That's, that's probably more important than getting any specific details right about what you're teaching. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for that very much. So, all right, everyone, that is it for this episode. Please check us out at the b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers, and please write a review on iTunes. We want more people to be aware of what we're doing here. Alex, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks a lot, Chad. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to chat about all this stuff. Excellent. Again, everyone, thanks for listening. And I hope everybody is enjoying Alex's valuable insights. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you and your team nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.